of Ed and All Hope listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya folks, Old Man Grognard here. Happy Thursday. Hope you're doing well. Got a game tonight. Oh boy, got the MacArthur game, the bi-weekly MacArthur game. That's usually streaming, so to go to the MacArthur Entertainment Facebook page, you can probably find a link to that. I believe we do it on, do we do it on, yeah, we do it on Facebook, I guess. I always thought we did it on YouTube, weird. Anyway, I just, yeah, that last Monday game that I said that went so poorly, I should say. I don't want to say it was an absolute disaster, but it went poorly. A couple, I think it was like either last episode or episode. uh, Yeah, last episode, I was lamenting about how I was tired, the players were tired, just things just didn't come together. And, but there was a little bit of gold I pulled out of that game. Making stuff up. And I can say this now because that session's over. And what I mean by making stuff up is I did a little experiment. Since we were, since it was going so roughly, I did a little experiment in there and threw in an encounter I just pulled out of my butt, pretty much. Because, and this is the time when you got to trust your GM, when you get to the point where you can trust your GMing skills. And knowledge of the players. Because they had an encounter with a couple of giant crabs. It wasn't going to be a big encounter. It's just that they were sailing in the ship. And they got a little too close to this one rock. These rocks sticking out. And these two giant crabs jumped up on the ship. Big deal. The, you know, the players and the crew will take care of it. And I knew, I knew they would come out on top. But I didn't want to just give them the fight. I wanted to make something, something, you know, something... You know, they can work, they have to work for a little bit. But I knew after after the fight was done, they were going to be eating crab for the next few days. So <laughs> what I did was I said, there are giant crabs and one of them jumps on the ship, roll for initiative. I didn't even look, I could have looked up giant crab in the, in the Astonishing Swordsman book or anything else or even on the internet or whatever. I didn't. I just, I just, I just. Um, pulled it out of my head. Okay, they're giant crabs. And see, this is where I know my players. We've been playing for a few sessions. I know how much I can throw at them and still make it a good fight. So I figured they had this armor class, these amount of hit points, this, these amount of hit dice in case they try anything funky like sleep or something. And I just went with it. I didn't even mark off the hit points on the graph paper that I usually do. I just started like, okay, boom, 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 boom. And this thing took so many hits. Okay, and the other one jumps on the ship. Okay, fine. We're into that fight. And they, you know, they, they have two pincers, so they have two attacks. I figured the average damage for that. Okay, fine. And I just went with it. And it was, it turned into my favorite fight of the evening, (laughs) to tell you the truth, because I had nothing to work with. And I just, you know, like I said, pulled it out of my sphincter and just ran with it. 
And they were happy. They liked, they had a lot of fun. And they had a benefit of it. They had food for the next couple of days on the ship. Because it's going to take that, take, take a while to get to the Isle of the Ape Men from Brigham's Bay. So they have that. I did have another encounter planned, which I didn't use because I wanted to save it for next time. So I did this. No biggie. I mean, they'd already been hit by, I'd already hit them with waterlogged pirate zombies that came on board, a few of which were pirate zombies. Go figure that out because they were in the water and those things explode in fire when you hit them. <laughs> but they, but they one-shotted so many of them. It's like, okay, boom, he's dead. Now take a D6 of fire damage. And all that's left is this smoldering pile of bones and flesh. So they took a little damage, but it wasn't like, hey, boom, you're not going to take it every round. So, you know, I'd already thrown that at him, and it's like, I'm going to, and I rolled again, oh, another encounter. Okay, what am I, and I instead of pulling the encounter, I'm like, no, no, I want to do, I know what I want to do. I'm going to do giant crabs, just because, because it sounded funny and funky, and it's not something weird coming out of the, they're on rocks, you jumped on the ship, hey. You know, that's going to happen. So I just, that's what I did. And afterwards, you know, after, on the way home, I was lamenting about how the evening went, but then I thought, you know, that crab encounter went really well. I got to remember how to do that. Because here, here's where the benchmarks come in again. Not only am I talking about, see, here's the, the jewel about benchmarks. Not only can you come up with an average of stuff in your game, like the average character, the average monster, whatever, you can also adjust it to how experienced the characters are, how powerful they are, what level they are. Because I knew that they are, are pretty much, as far as armor class goes, at least two of them are in the negatives. I know my grandson Gage is in the, he's like negative two armor class. We're using descending armor class. So he's like negative two armor class. And I just thought, okay, here's how I'm going to deal with the situation. Okay, fine. They got really tough armor class and they have a decent amount of hit points and things like that. I know I've got one, I've got one guy playing a witch in the party, which is, we have a, a witch and a magician, magic user. So I know the witch and the man, they're going to be lower armor class. So I just, you know, err on the side of caution. I'm there. But I'm thinking, okay, they have this armor class. They have these many hit points. This is what I, I'm watching. I'm watching what I'm throwing at them. I'm throwing, I was throwing at, at them critters of like ACs of five, seven to five with the occasional like bigger monster AC2. But what I was doing was, if I'm going to throw that kind of armor class at them, they're going to walk all over. So what I got to do is send a lot of them. I mean, I sent 16 zombies after them. Now, the fight was still a little shorter than I expected for the, for the simple fact that our, the cleric decided to turn them. And he was very, very, he's really good at turning them. So they all jumped overboard back into the water. So, any, but, you know, I, I, know he, I know he can do that. And I know, you know, I, I, I planned that. 
I took that into consideration when I ran these, but I was throwing 16 zombies at them. So if I can't throw something really, really tough at them, what I'm going to do is throw a lot of smaller stuff at them. That's the way I deal with this group. Like I said, I do throw in the occasional big boss monster. I mean, they were attacked early on by a bunch of bandits in an alley led by an assassin who had an armor class of two. So he's, they're not, I'm trying to vary. I'm, I'm trying to vary. The, you got, this is what you have to do when the, when the players start getting up in level. You got to start throwing bigger and badder things at them, but you got to change it up. You got to change it up. Sometimes you got to give them an easy win. And sometimes you have to really make them work for it. So you have to do that. My friend Carlos, who's playing in the game, he runs the 5e stuff. He knows how to do it. And Curse Estrad and Tomb of Annihilation, he, he says, I keep ramping these monsters up because of where you guys are. And I said, well, I understand that, yes. You have a lot, you have a lot more to deal with, too, with the monsters because you got a lot more, since you're 5th edition, you got a lot more to keep track of. Me, it's just like, okay... You know, give them, give them the easy, give them the, the easier monsters, give them a big monster once in a while, and also change up the fact that the, the monsters, here's another thing about changing it up and pulling it out of your head too. You got to remember the special abilities of, of a lot of monsters because that, that will even the score, that'll level the field right there. If you, you know, you, I'm playing zombies or ghouls or something, and if they got like a ghoul touch and they get in close, yeah, they're, yeah, they're like AC5, but if they get in close enough and they can touch you and the others can't get to you for a while, you're kind of screwed. So that can change up on you, throwing things like basilisks at them or, you know, I don't want to go the beholder or dragon room. They're not ready for that. And besides, the Stashing Swords doesn't have dragons, and I don't think they have they don't have the holders either. So but they do have their big bad monsters. And that's that's the kind of thing I'm I'm doing with them. You gotta change it up. And now I know where they are. They are all sixth level. So they're like halfway through the level progression for astonishing. It only it caps at twelve. So I'm just, you know, I keep looking at them. I keep looking at the monsters, what the what the framework of the story is pushing me towards. And I look at the next session and go, okay, this is going to happen. And I'm going to plan for three hours of this to happen. And I'm going to look at the monsters and go, okay, they're sixth level. They're almost seven, because I do adventure-based ups, which makes it a lot easier for me. And I got to decide when they go up a level. So I'm thinking, okay, there are six level here. These are the kind of monsters I need to throw at them. This range of armor class, this range of hit points, this range of hit dice. And so I can, I even have my sheet of monster, uh, monster armor class hit points. It, monster hit points by hit dice. And I had that go, I had like hit dice from one to 12. And if they're doing a plus, I can always like, you know, tack a few more hit points on, whatever. So I had that sheet too, so I could pick out it. So it's like, okay, this monster is a four hit die monster. Look down the four hit die column. If I, okay, I want that one and that one, that one and that one. Okay, those are the four ones. We'll go. You know, things like that. Uh, monsters that do poison, breath weapons, they fl even flight. 
I mean, they are still really, really, I don't blame them because most groups are like this. They really, really hate Sturges because they're small. They may be kind of easy to hit, but if they get a good initiative, and that's real important, if they get a good initiative, one can latch onto your neck faster and you can blink. And if somebody ain't there to pull it off or cut it off or kill it, a man, oh man, you got like three rounds of him hitting you with the hit points for sucking the blood. You know what I'm saying? So doing things off the cuff like that is good as long as you know your players and know what kind of range they can handle. I knew what kind of range they can handle and turned it into a good fight. So take that for what it is. I hope you can use it. I'm going to go start my day. If you want to talk to me about anything this or anything, you can drop me a line over at oldmangrognard at gmail.com or you can drop me a voicemail at Anchor. And of course, we are monetized now, so as little as 99 cents a month, you can support this program, and I would thank you, and thank you, Jonathan Dorje, Wendell Jessen, and Oliver Shrek for helping me out in that regard. You guys are great. So until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Mm-hmm.